Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Mallory Mercer, Director of Advocacy and Community Engagement for the STAR Coalition. On this podcast series, we are going to shed light on some of the most stigmatized and misunderstood areas of the mental health industry. Our hope is that through this podcast, we can bring transparency and light to a system that is so heavily scrutinized. We aim to share vital information about a multitude of mental health topics while spreading the message that research equals hope. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Jacqueline Sharp. Area Director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Arkansas. As some of you may know, the STAR Coalition was founded in Little Rock, Arkansas back in 2015. Mental health care for my home state and Jacklin's, as well as many other rural states, is often sparse. When the new 988 initiative launched last year, I was thrilled, but equally curious on how it will work state by state, specifically more rural states already lacking mental health resources. It's been a little over a year now since the launch of 988, and I wanted to provide a rural state's response to the 988 initiative and share a few ways you can help advocate for mental health services wherever you may live. Today, we're sitting down with Jacqueline Sharp, Area Director for the Arkansas Chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Jacqueline has been with AFSP for almost two years. Her objective is to support the mission and vision of AFSP nationally and at the state level. She works to support volunteers to achieve boots on the ground work, provides community outreach, prevention education, advocates for legislation, and raises awareness on suicide being a leading cause of death. The Arkansas chapter of AFSP is near and dear to my heart as it serves my home state. So this is an extra special episode for me. Welcome to the podcast, Jacqueline. Thank you, Mallory, so much for that introduction. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. So I want to start this episode off by getting a feel for 988 trends in the state of Arkansas. Can you give us a bit of information on the statistics you're seeing? Sure. So 988 launched last July, and when we reached out and spoke with the Arkansas Department of Health, because our 988 crisis center is actually housed in the Arkansas Department of Health and Human Services in Little Rock. They noted that between July 2021 and June 2022, they saw an increase. They had over 11,000 calls, which was 942 a month, and it was an 18% increase in monthly calls since the 988 launch. So that's a good thing. It means that people are utilizing the number. But for us as an organization, we want to make sure that we're helping support our crisis centers here in our state. We actually have three crisis call centers here in the state, the one in Little Rock, and then we have one in Fort Smith and one that's actually in Northwest Arkansas. So we want to make sure that we're helping provide any support we can, whether that's advocating for legislation and funding for them or just trying to get the word out about people utilizing 988 and, you know, helping to debunk some myths as well that are out there right now. One thing they did note is that most of the calls that they're seeing are from loved ones who are supporting someone in crisis. So not necessarily somebody in crisis, but someone that's supporting another individual. So I think that's an important point to make because a lot of people think, oh, the National Suicide, you know, Prevention Hotline 
that's for somebody that's in crisis, not for me. But it is for you if you have somebody that you're worried about or you're trying to support someone. It's a great resource for you, yourself. And then there's a texting option. And so a lot of individuals will use the texting. And it's actually great for kind of younger individuals. We're noticing that individuals will reach out to that who are not comfortable on the phone. So, so far, we've definitely seen an increase. That's amazing. And that 18% increase in monthly calls just shows the need that we have here in our state. And I imagine, you know, other states are also noticing similar trends, but I specifically like how accessible it is. Uh, You know, you talked about the text line or it not having to be for you specifically. And I think those myths are obviously things that I want to talk about later in the episode. But I just think it's so interesting that there's really a lack of knowledge around 988 and, you know, what it can provide and how accessible it is for our Kansans and for everyone in other states as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing about 988, part of my job, um, as you said earlier, is going out and educating the community. And, you know, we talk about that somebody that is in crisis is not thinking with the logistical side of their brain. That's what we know from our research. And so it just didn't make much sense to have this super long 1-800 number. It's hard for people to remember that who aren't in crisis. So for someone in crisis to be expected to remember that just didn't make much sense. You know, everybody can remember 911. So AFSP, both nationally and then at the local level, advocated for several years to get that number changed to 988 so that someone in crisis could remember that number a lot easier. So yeah, we're definitely seeing similar trends across other states and just our nation in general. So now the next conversation is just how do we continue to support 988? That's a perfect segue into my next question. So in March of this year, I know that AFSP, the Arkansas chapter, held its annual Capital Day, which, you know, you and I have talked about a bit. You know, I think it's a little bit bittersweet, just the the story that you told me about it. So can you start by giving me a recap on the events leading up to Capital Day? What was the planning like for that event? Sure. So this is an annual event that we do, and all of the chapters in AFSP and throughout our nation participate in this. And this is our largest effort within the state to educate legislators on the impacts that legislation can have on mental health and suicide prevention here in our state. And it's a great way for, you know, volunteers, individuals with lived experience, that's individuals who struggle with suicidal ideation or who struggle with thoughts of suicide, and those who have lost loved ones, to be able to come to their legislators and share their stories and urge their legislators to consider these things when they're passing legislation or when they're creating bills. So it's a really great experience for our volunteers. We did a lot of post-planning of, you know, when the day was going to be, we were going to be in person. It was the first time to be in person since prior to the pandemic. And we set up meetings for our volunteers to meet with their legislators. We had a couple of pieces of legislation we wanted to talk about with them. 988 was a big part of that conversation. And then I actually had, and this was the first time we had done this, and I think it made this event for us very, very special. We had two high school groups that approached us and said, you know, we've got students here that are leading the conversation here in their high school, and they want to be a part of advocacy. They want to learn what this looks like. And so we actually had two high school groups that joined us the day of the event to talk to legislators, to help get the word out, to be a part of the event. And so it was just really special for us because I think as a mom and as somebody that's in the community in the state of Arkansas, I'm just always blown away and so impressed by our younger generation and just their willingness to educate themselves and learn like what advocacy actually looks like. And it's not this thing that's like 
covered in mystique and you know, these legislators aren't people that you can't talk to. They are everyday people, and it is important for them to hear from their constituents. And so part of what we did that day was I had a board member that started walking up to legislators and saying, have you heard about 988? And the unfortunate response was, no, what is that? And so it became super clear to us the day of that we really needed to do some foundational education on just the basis of what is 988 and why should that be important to you as a legislator here in the state of Arkansas? I'm so discouraged to hear that they didn't know, but it is good to know, you know, where we can start. We can start with education and we have a new angle, but the fact that you saw more students at Capitol Day than any other age group encourages me, but it also breaks my heart to know that they are being affected by mental health, mental illness, suicidal ideation, suicidal problems in ways that I think we've never seen before. And I, you know, I won't pretend to know why. I probably say the pandemic was really hard on high schoolers. But in preparation for this episode, I did a bit of research and found that according to a CDC national survey, the second leading cause of death from 2018 to 2021 in young people aged 10 to 44 was suicide. So just saying that out loud, just it makes me so sad and gives me chills. Can you tell me what you're seeing at the state level now that 988 is live? Or are you seeing any changes in those trends? You know, I don't, I don't know that we're there yet that we can say that we're definitely seeing effective changes. You know, there's also some information out that we don't think that we're going to see the true mental impact of COVID until 2025. And so that's important to keep in mind. Um, and then... Um, In 2021, the American Academy of Pediatrics, AFSP, along with several other national organizations, actually declared a mental health crisis with our youth and adolescents. And so our organizations came together and created a blueprint for adolescent suicide prevention specifically. And these are things that states can follow to try to help decrease the crisis that we are seeing. And unfortunately, you know, that's exactly right. We, it's, it can it is the second leading cause of death it's the third leading cause of death for ages uh, 10 to 25 and so it's definitely something that we need to be paying attention to it means we need to be doing more prevention education for our kids and it and it also means we need to be doing postvention work as well and so it's definitely something to to pay attention to and, and keep in mind but as far as 9 and 8 affecting our adolescents i think we're still not quite there we don't have the data yet to say like, oh, yeah, this is definitely helping in that. But I will say one thing that we're noticing is just education is going to be a big part of this. Getting out in the communities and making sure people are aware of 988. I mean, there's still a lot of misinformation. And when I go, like I went to a high school and was talking to some high school folks and they said, oh, yeah, we heard 988's not even on. It's not even working. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Yes, it is. So just making sure people are educated in our communities throughout our state, I think is going to be the first step in really trying to help affect change in that area. Absolutely. And you saying that we won't even see the true impact of COVID for the next few years is horrifying. But I'm, I'm really thankful that AFSP has the data and is doing that research so that we can do the post-invention, but also be proactive for children that might be younger, that we maybe can still step in there before we see those problems and those trends increasing. So I'm just so blown away. You know, I, I'm in this field and there's so much misinformation around 988 that I see. So every time I talk to you, I just learn so much more 
more about 988. And so it does make me feel very encouraged, but I also feel like there's a lot of work to be done. And I appreciate all the work that you guys are doing for that. So you mentioned that many legislators don't even know about 988. And that's kind of where we start with this education, right? So how Mm -hmm. can we ensure that our makers are aware of this initiative so that we're able to eliminate suicide as a leading cause of death in our nation? I think the biggest thing that individuals can do is use your voice. I think the conversation around democracy is shifting, and I think people are recognizing more and more that they have the ability to reach out to their legislators and voice their needs what they're seeing in their everyday life. And so I think it's important for individuals to, you know, hold this specific mission near and dear to their heart that please reach out to your legislators, call, email. We've got a thing where you can become a field advocate for us. It's very simple. And we've got a public policy office that sits right outside of the Capitol in Washington, D.C., And they help us know like, okay, this legislation is going to come down the pipeline and here's how it's going to affect Arkansas, you know, mental health for the positive or the negative. And here's what we can send to your legislator and you can include your story. And so I think that's the difference. And I think people need to know that like these aren't individuals that are not reachable or you can't talk to like absolutely, you know, call, email, tell them your story, meet with them in person. There are several legislators that I know of that do like Hey, I'm at a coffee shop today. Come meet with me if you've got time. And if you see that, make it a priority. Go talk to your individuals and let them know, like, this is important. And here's how it impacted my family or here's how it's impacted, you know, my children or our state. And just make them aware because when they have a story, it means so much more. And so I think people need to hear, like, you have a voice, you have a story, and it's important to use it. I think that's so important because so many people think that there's nothing they can do to stop suicide. You know, even just having a personal story, you think no one will relate, no one cares, or there's so much stigma surrounding that. You know, you don't feel like you can talk about it. You don't want to dishonor your loved one that you may have lost. So I think just talking about it, like you said, going out to your legislators, one story can really touch someone. Can you speak on some of the ways that anyone, whether you're a high school student, you're an adult, can help spread the message about 988 specifically? Absolutely. So I think, you know, some of the conversation we're having here in our chapter and just with our, you know, collaborating uh, partners is we really need to approach it in a grassroots effort. So where are the places where we're seeing high-risk groups? You know, where where are they already visiting or going to? And let's focus on those areas and start put, start putting messaging about 9A in those areas. So specifically, you know, our, one of our highest-risk groups are high school students. So can you approach your high school and say, hey, during the football games on Friday night, because in rural, rural Arkansas, that's where individuals are on a Friday night. The, the community is at the football game. And so can you approach, you know, your high school and say, hey, you know that big, beautiful screen that we have on the football field? Would it be possible for us to like at least have one slide that has information about 988 on it? Or can we have a table with some information so people can pick that up? So just thinking about like some creative out-of-the-box thinking, grassroots thinking around just meeting people exactly where they are. Another great example is farmers. Unfortunately, farmers are at a high risk as well. So can we look at mills? Can we look at, you know, 
tractor magazines. <laughs> I have a lot of farmer friends that, you know, enjoy looking at tractors. So can we get, you know, an ad in those magazines that has that information? So just really thinking through, can we meet people where they're at? Where are those individuals and how can we get that information out to our communities, especially our rural communities here in Arkansas? I love that. You know, Arkansas is so different from any other states, but there are obviously people that understand the demographic that you're working with. So I think it's just really important to know who your target audience is and how to work with them, especially in rural places. People want help. They just don't know where to start. And access is a huge problem. But the the beauty of 988 is all you need is a phone, whether that's a, a public phone or your own phone. So I think that it's just encouraging to know that those people that have had trouble accessing mental health services, they are being being reached now. So can you discuss, speaking of access, any specific barriers that you've experienced surrounding 988 education? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, number one that thing that we've heard here recently is that um, you have to give like a lot of information if you call 988, like personal information. We've also heard things like if you call 988, then they're going to send the cop, and that is not true. So it, it functions exactly the same as it always has. If you call 988, you will get routed to a trained crisis counselor here in the state of Arkansas. And the reason why it's important that we want you to get connected if you are an Arkansas resident to get connected to someone in Arkansas so you can get connected to the local resources. And those people are trained to help you either talk you through your crisis or they're trained to help talk your loved one and coach your loved one on what to do for you. I actually just had a volunteer call me and she had no idea about 988 and I walked her through, you know, this is what it is and you know, here's why it's important to know about it. And she had a friend call and the friend said, my husband's in crisis. We don't know what to do. I'm I'm at a loss. And so this volunteer said, let's just call 988 together. And she called and said, I'm so glad I knew about that. It was so helpful. We were able to get him help. I was able to help my friend, you know, kind of calm down and feel like she was able to help provide support. So I think it's important for people to know, like, it's not just for crisis, it's for loved ones as well. And, you know, I think we are hearing that for the LGBTQ plus community, there are concerns about calling it. And there are other lines for LGBTQ plus if that is a concern for you. So the Trevor Project actually has a uh, crisis line and there are a couple other organizations that also have crisis lines. So definitely important to keep those in mind. But as far as 9NA is concerned, nothing has changed about the way it functions. We just shorten the number. Thank you for that. And it also sounds like you were saying earlier that you heard someone say 988 wasn't even live in their state. Can you talk about how the implementation varies depending on the state? And is there a way to know on, you know, the progress of 988 in your state? Yeah. So actually, AFSP, and this is something I just love about the way we've set up kind of our tracking legislation and, and making sure we're aware. So, you know, we do monthly calls about the state of 988 just so we can keep up to date on everyone. And each state is different. So 988 was a federal piece of legislation and then it was passed down to the states to kind of decide what to do with it. And what I mean by that is how to fund it. So each state does look different and you can actually go to afsp.org slash advocacy and you can look at our state here in Arkansas and then also you can look at other states and see what they've done. Now here in our state, we're funded through the state. 
funding through the federal funding. And so the conversation with the states has kind of become, one, is that federal funding going to be sufficient, you know, for years to come? Or do we need to start considering a surcharge? So just like 911 in several states, there is a surcharge on your cell phone bill or your phone bill, and that helps pay for services, the, you know, individual to answer the phone call, all the services that are attached to 911. So the same conversation is happening with 988, do we need to consider a surcharge to help, you know, sustain long-term our crisis centers here in our state? So it just kind of varies, and I would definitely encourage you to look at kind of each state, what they're doing, and what they're trying to implement here within their states as well. And what can our listeners do to propel the 988 movement forward in their own states in the coming years without having to rely on legislation or national funding? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. So one, educate those around you. Make sure that you understand everything about 988. Make sure that you're helping to spread the correct information about 988. And just make sure that you're sharing that information. SAMHSA is actually the entity that leads the charge and owns 988, essentially. And you can go to their website. They've got great marketing tools that you can utilize that are free. They've got great information that you can utilize that's all free. So definitely look at that. And then, you know, again, contact your legislators, reach out to them, become aware of how your state functions. You know, Arkansas is kind of unique in that ours is housed in our Arkansas Department of Health and Human Services. And a lot of states, that's not the case. So what do they need? Reach out to those centers and say, what do you need, you know, from us to help really advocate for this, make sure people are aware of it. You know, what are you seeing that maybe are some barriers that we can help with? So I'd definitely say, like, reach out to your crisis centers, educate yourself on how that works within your state, and then make sure you're educating others in your community. I will link the Arkansas Department of Health specifically and SAMHSA and then a few other resources for people who may not be in our state. But if people are in other states, can you give some guidance on how they can get connected to their necessary resources? Absolutely. So I would say, one, reach out to your local AFSP chapter because they're going to be connected. That's part of, you know, our charge is to be connected with our crisis centers and make sure that we're kind of staying on the end of, you know, knowing uh, what's going on with our crisis centers. A lot of times I'll just call 988 randomly. One, I'm kind of looking for how long does it take to pick up? Do I get connected? I also normally just talk to that person and thank them for what they're doing. Our people in our crisis centers have a tough job. And so it gives me a moment just to say thank you, but it also gives me a moment just to kind of check in on the health of our crisis centers as well. And, you know, if any of those things pop up as concerns for you, then make sure to reach out to, you know, your local crisis center and reach out, reach out to AFSP and work with your AFSP chapter on how can we help make this better for our state? What do you need me to do? And I promise you that that chapter will have marching orders for you for sure. And then, you know, be looking at, again, AFSP.org slash advocacy. We've got all of the information on what we need as far as legislation is concerned for 988. So just make sure that you're looking at that and then reaching out to see how you can help affect change. And I think, you know, I have reached out to the Arkansas AFSP chapter just to 
see how I can help. And they've made it so easy. So I know I'm sure other chapters are the same way. They tell you exactly where to report how you can help. They ask what you're interested in. And so there's so many options, whether, you know, you're you're busy and you just want to drop in sometimes or, you know, you want to be very involved consistently. So I think that there is space for everyone, no matter what level of involvement you want to have. So I do encourage you, I'll link the AFSP on your chapter for our podcast today. But I want to ask one final question. You know, obviously we're in Arkansas here, but I want to know what the future of 988 is specifically in rural states. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So, you know, here in the state of Arkansas, uh, in 2020, we lost 583 Arkansans to suicide, the 11th leading cause of death here in our state. And in that same year, rural areas reported that over 69% of Arkansans did not have access to mental health care. And that's according to the federal guidelines. So 988, what it does, it provides access that maybe individuals don't have. You know, there's definitely conversation within mental health um, organizations, hospitals here in our state. You know, we're all fully aware that we have several pockets here in our state that are mental health deserts, and that's where we need to make sure that those areas are really educated on this resource. And then that's why it's so important for us to really help fund or help have the conversations around funding to ensure sustainability for these rural areas until we can start building up the mental health access in these areas specifically. We want to make sure that they have a resource that they don't have, you know, that they're not sitting without anything. So I think that's really important to to point out to, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, a trend that we're seeing is that when people don't have access to mental health care and they're in a rural area or maybe they can't afford it, they're going to churches or other religious organizations. And the problem with that is that we know that there's not a lot of training that happens on what to do with someone who is suicidal or someone who's in crisis. And so we really are looking at where are some gaps and how do we fill those gaps? And so talking to churches and church leaders and uh, really religious organizations, making sure they have training on what to do if somebody comes to you in crisis. We also address the kind of moral dilemma that happens with suicide and religious organizations and just the importance of making sure that you know warning signs, risk factors. And then if someone does say, yes, I'm thinking about suicide, do you know what to do with that? Yes. And a lot of people may be okay asking the question, but then when someone says yes, they don't know what to do with that. And so just making sure that individuals are educated on what to do is another way that we can help, you know, provide resource within communities that don't have mental health access. I think that's so great and so informative. I think that, especially in the state of Arkansas, we do have a lot of mental health care deserts. And so mm-hmm. we can do, you know, the Star Coalition, AFSP, the Arkansas chapter. I hope that you'll reach out to us if you're listening to this. And if you're an educator or you're a church leader or just someone in your community that, you know, you're looking to enact change and, and help your community members, please reach out to us. Thank you so much for your time today, Jacqueline, on our podcast. I really can't express my gratitude for all the work that you're doing. You know, like you said, it's a really tough job. And I'm just so encouraged and inspired at the work that you're doing in our state. 
Hey, thank you so much for letting us come on. And, you know, I always tell people I'm in awe and inspired by our volunteers here in our state. We have such an incredible chapter, such an incredible group of volunteers that have dedicated their lives. This is their passion. This is their work. And they want desperately to see change. The number of individuals who have hugged me and said, you know, whatever you need, please tell us because we just want to make sure that no other family experiences what we've experienced. And so I carry that with me. I carry our lost survivors, our individuals with lived experience, and I'm an advocate for them. And so we're grateful to be able to talk about 988, to get a platform to just encourage people to use the resource and then to try to help educate. That's what we're here for. So thank you. If any of our listeners today are in need of resources, I encourage you to visit AFSP.org. On the website, you can find information about 988, locate your local chapter, and hear real stories from survivors and family members. Remember, talking saves lives. 